This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, this is something. Pat Boone doing Enter Sandman. I never thought I'd see the day. Well done, Mr. Matt Blaze. Wow. Welcome to, this is the other side of midnight. Welcome to Frank Morano's Friday morning free-for-all. You know, back in the day, uh, my friend Alan Combs, every Friday evening, he would assemble three great wits of uh, varying perspectives, varying points of view on the world, and gather them together for an hour or two and have them chew the fat on the uh, on the news of the day or world affairs. And I thought that was fun. He would call it uh, Friday night free-for-all. So we're not on at night. We're on in the morning. So we'll call it Friday morning free-for-all. And one of the things we're going to do this hour before I introduce you to our illustrious mid night panel, all of whom have been on the show before, all of whom are great, is throughout the hour, and this is going to become, this is just music to the ears of Steve from Manhattan and the guy that uh, says Sid Zamoron repeatedly, throughout the hour, we are not going to screen the calls for content. So you can call in and just give your name and we'll put you on the air, whatever whatever it is that you want to ask our illustrious panel. Let's say hello to our illustrious panel. Two people that uh, happened to be on this show one year ago today, and I didn't realize that until about an hour and a half ago, quite fortuitous that they're here once again. Veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic Marlena Shivo. Hello, Marlena. Hello, Frank. And cab driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host, John McDonough. Hello, John. On our anniversary. Happy anniversary <laughs> to both of you. And uh, want to welcome as well Freddie Mertz, a veteran radio Radio talk show host who, among his many claims to fame, has oh. been heard on uh, a lot of the stations that we're being heard on right now, not the least of which, of course, is uh, WABC. Hello, like Freddie. Think. Yes, hello there. All right. Well, Almost it, didn't make it up. That was a wild night we had down there, so, John and I. So, uh, fill me in. What happened? Did, uh, did you got stopped by security? Well, I got here first, which is very much unlike me, being a very time-challenged person. But you'd think like Marlena would get here first, but she didn't. She didn't. And then uh, John got – so I was here first. Have to go to the bathroom profusely. Have to drive in a lot of construction, so I make it here. I'm parked a block away, so hopefully the car will not be stolen tonight. And I'm looking forward to coming in. The guard last time, very friendly, come in. This guy made out like he didn't know there was a radio station. (laughs) Where's your building pass? And the guy's guy's T-shirt says, smiley. All right, this guy has a right to wear a smiley like you can fill in the sentence. There was no smile there. Then he threatens to call the police on me. Wow. And if you have, so I say I, the only number I have is the man on the air. Right. Call him. 
I said he's a one-man band. He's talking. He can't be texting to me. He's on the air right now. I have no other break-in numbers. First of all, I appreciate that because I am amazed at how often people who know I'm on the radio now will call me while I'm on the radio. And I'm thinking, what are they expecting me to just answer? (laughs) Now, the only person that I will answer their call when they call in is John Katzmatidis. And that's happened, right? When he calls, when if uh, if we're off the air or something, he'll call and I will absolutely answer. What, to request a bumper song? Why is he calling you? Exactly, exactly. Isn't part of being on W um, ABC being arrested? That's that's true. Uh, I, I that's mean, true. He's following Curtis's so, footsteps. Right. So the guard downstairs, and I use the term loosely, was about to call the police on me because of my attitude. Does not believe I'm on the air because I would have a building pass if I was. And I said, well, I used to work for the station, two buildings and three buildings before, (laughs) but not in this building, right, (laughs) a few other regimes ago, but not in this one. So then, thankfully, John comes in and gives me credibility. And this may be the <laughs> God help you. God help you. Wow, you know, this, see, this city really is going down. See, I never thought all this would, when Kenneth takes a day off, it collapses like a house of cards. That's what happens, you know. I guess uh, nobody else knows how to enter people into the uh, visitor Maybe you system. you just don't know how to do Freaky Friday it or whatever be. you're calling Right, exactly. This. Well, it's already a, a free-for-all. All right. Uh, a lot I want to get to with you guys, but first, I want to get you to review something. Uh, we all know Vice President Mike Pence. He is uh, running for president now. It looks like he's made the debate stage for next week's debate. And uh, he's campaigning. He's staking it all on Iowa. He did something very un-Pence-like yesterday. I think a lot of people know Pence as uh, kind of an intellectual sometimes, sometimes very much a social conservative guy, a religious guy. You don't think of Mike Pence as an impressionist. Well, yesterday, Mike Pence was on the campaign trail, and he did his best impersonation, I'm going to have you guys review it, of former President George W. Bush. And I said, thank you, Mr. President. He goes, I'd like you to see me as an encourager. I said, thanks. He said, I'd like you to leave here with some encouragement. And I said, "Uh, Mr. President, you know, standing here in the Oval Office with the leader of the free world, I'm encouraged. <laughs> Mike Pence well, as an impressionist. What do we think? Well, um, I didn't think of him as an impressionist before, and I still don't think of him as an impressionist. Um, and is he allowed to even say Bush without his wife sitting there? <laughs> and isn't the word enabler, not encourager? Yeah. Well, it, George W. Bush has sort of his own lexicon, oh, as oh, we okay. know, right? Uh, so a thumbs down. I, I, I go around. with it because his other option is rapping to Eminem <laughs> if he wants to go viral. Right, so. was that, um, that was Vivek Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy yeah, that did yeah. that? So, I, I mean, that's I his other that. option. I'd rather hear this than him rapping. How was uh, Vivek's take on Eminem? It's as good as anything else. I mean, these guys are all trying to do something that goes viral. And if you have to rap, do impressions, do handstands, used to be you had to do push-ups. You know, that's the way you do it. That's called the, the media and getting onto these platforms and going viral. Hey, speaking of the media, I uh, introduced you as a playwright, John McDonough. Your play, Off the Meter, has uh, some showings upcoming in the next month or so, right? Where is it showing? I am going down to Belmar, New Jersey, to the friendly, the friendly Sons of Shillelagh on September 24th. It's my play about driving a yellow cab for 40 years. It's a great joint. I was down there today. And my agent, Al Gonzalez, booked me in there, and we'll see what happens. We'll see who shows up. It's one of those things. You know. So if people want to go, how can they see it? Uh, net. Contact me through my email, and I will tell you how to get tickets. Uh, net. All right. I want to mix up kind of uh, some serious and not-so-serious subjects with all of you guys. Uh, let me begin uh, with... 
what everybody seems to be talking about, the dueling banjos of investigations. You have a special counsel for Hunter Biden, special counsel for Joe Biden, special counsel for Donald Trump. I think if Andy Warhol were around today, he would say in the future, everyone will have a special counsel for 15 minutes. Uh, I get the sense that people are just so tired of all this stuff beyond the legal aspect of it, which you could certainly comment on. Wondering what you think of the kind of the political, the political implications of all these special counsels and all these investigations. What do you think, Freddie? Oh, thanks for starting with me. Please, Louise. Well, what, what I find in people who may not know what I do or did or still do, it's like people want to engage me in an argument or a discussion about Biden versus Trump. And it's like you're supposed to like one and disdain, hate the other, support one and not. And why can't you simply not like either for different reasons, maybe some of the same reasons, um, and, and I would even add Obama, as, as time goes on, as somebody who was on Obamacare, which which is remains hideous insurance, and the full story is not known, not to get into that. But the thing is, you know, we often get the, the least of what should be running or who should be running. So to answer your question, um, you know, I, Biden, to me, is a tragic character. And in some ways, Trump is as well. Imagine if you had Joe Biden, I mean, if you had Hunter Biden as his son. Okay, there's a saying I always get wrong about one child is the wonderful child, has their stuff together. They're your heart. The child who was totally a a screw up and and, whatever investments in other countries, a job he never should have had. Where was Obama, by the way, vetting all of this? Whole separate topic. But but what's that saying about one child, the wonderful child, Bo, in this case, who's no longer with us, who died very tragically. uh, But by all accounts, uh, I I got, got to interview, never met him in person. Very nice person. Very good person. So he would be the heart. Right. And the dysfunctional child is the soul. Is that the saying? But that puts a bad image on soul. Well, unless you're talking about the soul of a shoe, right? You're exactly I, uh... the point, soul man. So, yeah, it's like, how do you, why do you have to be in one corner versus the other? I'm disgusted by all. I think Trump should be in a jail cell. It's abhorrent what he did. And I know on this station I'd be in the minority, but uh, I don't find it amusing. I don't find it fun to kiss the bullies took us. Okay, this man did spur on the insurrection. And and yeah, some of the things, I don't really care about the Stormy Daniels situation. I feel sorry for her. But, yeah, what happened on 911? Uh, I'm sorry, what happened? What, what happened on the insurrection? I had the wrong date. Uh, was was horrific. But uh, but you can't look the other way at Hunter Biden. But you're supposed to you're supposed to be for one and against the right. other. So you're against everybody. You're like Groucho Marx. Right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't find anybody on that menu that I like. So who are you voting for if it's a Trump Biden rematch? What are you doing? You know, everybody I pick usually has a sex scandal. If you would ask me who do I like, and I'm not even sure if this guy wants to be president. And you're going to probably laugh at me. I like Beto O'Rourke from down in El Paso. I like what he said. And I know if he runs again and I endorse him, there will be a major sex scandal. <laughs> well, I, I can assure you he definitely does want to be president. Uh, Marlena, dueling, uh, dueling scandals here. How, what do you see as the political implications of the, this? The political imp- implications that people are looking for somebody else. And I'll tell you, um, on the podcast with Cuomo, we had... Kellyanne Conway. Now, you would think that, and we had a ton of views. It's the most views we ever got since the podcast started. For people that don't know, Marlena produces uh, Andrew Cuomo's podcast. Yes. And so um, uh, so I'm thinking it's Kellyanne that's the draw. And like we're getting thousands of hits on this one clip. The clip, I, I, I named the clip uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie because those were the two things that they were talking about. It was a five-minute clip. Every comment. Not like the majority, 
every comment, not about Cuomo, not about Kellyanne, nothing about Chris Christie. It was all Ramaswamy. I have to say, I find this guy pretty appealing myself as well. I a could... lot of people do. And, and um, you know, I don't object to that necessarily, but it just goes to show you <laughs> that some, they do not. Right. There's a thirst for something Th- different. There is definitely yeah. a thirst for something I, different. I've said, uh, John, and I know you've uh, been a, a campaign manager for various third-party <laughs> candidates before us, have I. Um, I have said that with if it's a Trump-Biden rematch, if a third-party candidate can't make some some uh, some traction in that kind of an environment, then forget about it. It's all over. Then there will never be any viable third-party candidate for president ever. Well, Frank, I have to open up like one of your, of your frequent guests, uh, Alan Dershowitz. I did not vote for Trump in 16, 20, nor will I vote for him in 24, because you have to open up with that, because if you say anything positive about him, right, uh, or if you say anything negative about Biden, oh, you're a Trump supporter. No, I can hate both of them. At least now, as being on the left, I have an option now. In the Democratic primary, uh, JFK Jr., RFK. when he loses RFK. <laughs> yeah, oh Unless you're one of these QAnon well, people that thinks JFK yeah, Jr. Right. is still yeah. alive. Yeah. And, and, and the, when the main event comes up in November... I'll have Cornell West to vote for. So, and I don't want to hear the argument that's taking away a vote from Biden. It's not. I wasn't voting for him in the first place, and most people that will be voting for Cornell West wouldn't be voting for Biden or Trump. So I'll have a choice. I know it's going to go nowhere, but it's going to be a protest vote. So I'll give it to Cornell West, and hopefully I'll be running on the Green Party. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, let me uh, ask, and we'll take your calls in a minute, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. This really surprised me to some extent because uh, so much of what we've seen about young people these days is they're suffering from anxiety, they're suffering from depression, they're turning to things like opioids. Well, according to a, a new poll, more than half, and this is Gallup, more than half of young adults in this country see even moderate drinking, one or two drinks a day, as unhealthy. Now, it looks like Generation Z, their views on alcohol and even drugs to some extent have shifted rapidly. Uh, It's millennials, it's Generation Z, and Americans overall now see booze as more harmful than marijuana. And a record high 39% of Americans believe moderate drinking is detrimental to health. That's up 11 points since 2018. But this is all being driven by the young folks. Among 18 to 34-year-olds, there was an 18-point jump in people that viewed alcohol negatively. That's the biggest among any age group. 50% of Americans polled said alcohol makes no difference for health, and 10% said it's good for health. Uh, and women are more likely than men to perceive moderate drinking as unhealthy. I'm wondering, I'll begin with you, John, not to reinforce any Irish stereotypes, but uh, here we are. Why do you think young Americans, contrary to the stereotype of what we view as young people, why do you think they're turning against booze? 
this past Sunday, I went out with my daughter lives in Astoria, Queens, for brunch. And I, I was shocked when I went in there that nobody was drinking. Back in my day, you picked the joint that was given unlimited mimosas or whatever it was. I you still, were drinking. That's how I picked my place. How about when we went to the diner and they weren't serving alcohol oh, yet? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Never seen the in the Back in the day, you would have had the New York Times, which you had to have a helper to bring it into the brunch place, and you were handing out sections and reading it. And you were drinking, and you were drunk by the end of the day, but you were well-educated by reading the paper. <laughs> Sounds like but, fun. But now, what, what I do think is they're turning away to drugs, because now you got all the weed shops, so they don't necessarily have to drink all day. They can have a joint before they come in, or smoke, or an edible, or whatever they're doing these days. Aww. And they're, they're going from drink to drugs. That's, they're just replacing one vice with another. I mean, uh, you started with um, Generation Z, and I stopped listening because this is a generation who can't pick a pronoun. So what they have to say about alcohol that's been around forever to the point where there were speakeasies, that's how badly people wanted alcohol. Like, I don't really Even Jesus did a fair amount of drinking, if you read the, read the Bible. Jesus turned himself in the alcohol, into alcohol, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest problems, though, is vaping. Not that it hybrids drinking and, and, you know, marijuana. I'm not offended by pot. I simply can't get high. Working in radio, I was always in a world of pot. Everybody smoked pot. Before I got into talk radio, I was a disc jockey. Everybody smoked pot. I had an ex-girlfriend who only wanted to get me high. And maybe because I hated regular cigarettes, which would still offend me, I just I tried it. I could never get high. But vaping offends me. Vaping, and people will take that last vape before they walk in somewhere, and then they want to blow it. And guess where it lands? It always finds me, and I am not happy about that. So the vaping really offends me. So I think that the vices are there, and maybe we're not acknowledging them. But Smoke finds you. Sex scandals find you. Well, those are okay, the sex scandals. I'm waiting to be a part of one. 800-848-9222. Billy's in Florida. Billy, what's your question for our illustrious panel? Name that tune. I like this. I'm not making out every every word. I'm not Flop. making out any word. Yeah. Uh, Frank in Highlands, what instrument are you speaking to us in? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to speak in a language that everybody understands. Um, Good luck. Uh, my question uh, before was um, uh, in the quote, let's raise the standard by which the honest and the wise can repair. Why isn't it just the honest? And why is it? Why do you think it's not just the wise or just the honest? Anybody want to tackle this one? This is I'm not sure I even I even fully grasp this one, Frank. We may have to uh, bring back. We, we may have play. to bring back the uh, the the phone screening process. Uh, anybody want to weigh in on that? I'm not sure I I, I totally get it. Honestly. I bet that was a labyrinth of words. I don't know. I I got lost. I need to hear the question in Aramaic. <laughs> Janet, in honor of Mel Gibson. Janet is in Manhattan. Hello, Janet. Oh, hi. Yes, I have a question for John McDonough. John, um, did I miss it? Uh, did they ever play your story that you did for the Moth? It seems like you did it like a year ago, and I try to listen to that show pretty much every week, and I don't think I ever heard it. Did they play I, it? I, I have it up on, on my Facebook, and it was a story about being picked to be on The Amazing Race, which ended in disaster, which always makes a good story, because if it went out and I won the million dollars, it wouldn't be a really good story. 
So it was about how I lost a million dollars on the Amazing Race. But if you go to my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I have I have the video up of of it. It was at the Music Hall in Williamsburg. It was a great, great night out. Uh, John McDonough is here. Freddie Mertz is here. Marlena Shivo was here. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, Frank Morano's Friday morning free-for-all. We'll continue with our panel and your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, this is the, the great Frankie Valley singing Marlena. Uh, very appropriate because Marlena Shivo is here, veteran media producer, satirist, and social critic. Man who's no stranger to satire himself, John McDonough, cab driver, comic, playwright, and radio talk show host. And Freddie Mertz, a veteran radio talk show host. And uh, Freddie, do you make a, make a living in radio still these days? Well, I don't know what living means. Uh, well, you, you have to you live like a camel with the humps. So I pay my bills. Yeah. Hey, thank you, with, Frank. With radio, well, I haven't radio. shown up at your door yet, well, but I'm, I may be. But I may be doing that. Don't encourage me. <laughs> I'm going to send you to the security well, guy. Well, if you listen to the hour Beach? before, apparently he's not motivated by money. Well, so. yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get there. I don't think you should go to him I'm for trying to get alone. There. I'm trying well, it's to a be. labor of love. <laughs> That's for right. sure. All right. Um, I noticed you demurred on my answer there. That's okay. Let me begin by asking you guys about Something. Wait, let me ask you something though about radio. Did you have like the the type like do you did you have your name on everything? Like like Frank has his name on a pen, he has his name on a hat, he has his name on a jacket. I didn't get into the merchandise back at the time. In <laughs> fact, I used to come in during the night, and this is true, I kind of dressed down. I came in one night and somebody walked up to me and complained about the janitorial work, thinking I was on the staff of the, jan- <laughs> of the janitors. And I, ha- I know I have to go on the air right now. So they didn't really know who I was. That's oh, very funny. You. That's <laughs> very true. funny. You know, Michael Savage, uh, who is very much a, a guy that would dress down for his radio show, he used to tell a story when he was doing a local show in San Francisco that he uh, came in to interview Pat Buchanan. And Pat Buchanan thought he was the, the staff. There you and, go. And he, you know, didn't, and he treated him like the staff. That was the S-T-A-P-H. Exactly. <laughs> well, Freddie, this is my advice to you, though. If you decide to put your name on anything and you decide to sell it the, or give it out the way Frank does, I think you should call it merchandise. Oh, oh, that's good. Oh, thank you. There thank you, you go. very much. Uh, all oh, right. Great. Yeah. Quite a suggestion. But all Frank right. gives a lot of stuff away. If you can't sleep during the night, which we probably, none of us can, and so when Frank has that contest, at about, uh, what is that, 4.30 in the morning, this time zone, yes, yeah. and someone's supposed to do the 10 trivia questions. Oh. Nobody wins that, and Frank feels so bad. I, I mean, he, he can get like the total moron calling. They get past two questions. The day of the week today is, but well, that's a hard one. Is today Friday <laughs> or Thursday? Trick question. So he gets the number two. You'll be getting a free hat. So Frank gives a lot of the profits away to his credit. Well, let me <laughs> ask uh, the three of you a, a serious question. This is a question, an issue that the, the whole country seems to be dealing with, and a lot of cities, a lot of states are struggling with, and that's the migrant issue. New York City alone has 100,000 migrants. Other cities are dealing with 
this. All the border states are dealing with this. But the the phrase has kind of become now that uh, every state is now a border state because this migrant problem appears to be multiplying. Um, What realistically can be done? What should be done? What is being done? What do you think of the people that are doing it? Whoever wants to comment first, please be my guest. I I mean, you know, I'm shocked that um, the Biden administration, well, I guess I'm not really shocked, but I think the Biden administration should really consider maybe even temporarily closing the border if they don't want. I know that's probably not the politically correct thing to do, but for them, but I think that they should somehow close the border. It is overwhelming. Um, If I lived in New, if I still lived in the city, I would be livid. not that I ever want to pay Curtis Lewa a compliment ever, but I mean, the fact that he was out in front of it, um, it made sense. You, sh- it should be, there should be a lot of attention on this. And the whole Hochul thing about her a year after the fact calling out Mayor Adams, um, saying that, uh, or saying that the New York City isn't doing enough for these people. She's the governor of the entire state. Right. You'd never know it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's like, how could you – I don't understand how you can That's complain down like that, you know? And then, yeah, so I She can make you take Adam's side, and he's a total bungler of this. But the reality is he is between a rock and a hard place. And I'm no great right. lover of Eric Adams, but he's not the bad guy here. The bad guy is a governor in Texas who's playing New York for a fool. And I believe there are laws being broken. We have brilliant legal minds here in New York. Some come on this radio station. But instead of playing the politics, why aren't we suing Texas or, frankly, the federal government? They're transporting all of these migrants across state lines. And so Texas is actually giving them sanctuary but for a moment. The, the yeah. I think the 2,000 or so migrants that are coming here a week... I don't think most of them are being shipped here by Texas or, or Florida. I think most of them are being given bus tickets by aid groups to go wherever they want to go. Oh, and a lot of them so. are choosing to come to New York. I think someone needs to go down and check out social media in all of these countries. And I really believe that uh, there are some people motivating this massive migration to come here to make a political side look bad. But New York, but taking the politics out, New York is being played for the fool. But let me to ask over you about 100,000 right? migrants, innocent, mostly, I would say, the majority of these people, the salt of the earth, and they're being motivated to come here. Let's say, um, and I do think it's a lot of, it's Catholic charities and a lot of these nonprofit groups that are um, are busing these folks to New York, but according to what they've said, the migrants themselves, to, to the papers, they want to come to New York. Um, but the, the issue, let's say it is the governor of Texas, for instance. It, the voters of the governor of Texas made votes for a strong border and for candidates that wanted stricter border enforcement. Can you understand why a lot of their politicians would be sour that they're now being forced to bear the brunt of the way New Yorkers and New Jerseyans and, you know, folks in blue states voted? Why shouldn't the blue state folks have to bear some of the same implications of how they actually voted? I just don't see it as being a blue state or red state issue. These migrants should not be ending up in New York. And does a sanctuary city mean that it's a sanctuary city for those who are here? Sanctuary city was supposed to be, ironically, a way to protect yourself or be protected from the federal government. 
Mm. The federal government's coming to deport you. You go into a church, let's say, somewhere in New York and New Jersey. This was a big story in a small town outside New Brunswick where there was a church that was taking in migrants. Well, not sorry, I'm sorry. These were like the dreamers or people who were here, and maybe they had, I don't know, a parking ticket. They were going to be deported for really no reason, and they go into this church. And the, the argument was it was a sanctuary from what the federal government was trying to do. Somehow this term sanctuary city, sanctuary state, has been totally yeah. misaligned. Well, sh- sanctuary state is really what it comes down to. So, you know, everyone is focused on New York and what Mayor Adams is doing. What I said before, it's a sanctuary state, and Governor Hochul hasn't really done anything. Although, did you see the – I'm sure you did see that she's – she came to an agreement to take 1,200 migrant families and disperse them throughout upstate New York. 1,200 out of 100,000. Right, right. That'll I mean, really help. That alone, like, it should, is, is so embarrassing. Migrants do the Catskills. We have to build some bungalows up there. There's a casino coming. No, like, and now, and then, and then, um, they're going to use City Field. They're, they're going to have what? Big, Big, big cargo freight. Well, it's so fitting for the Mets. You know what I mean? They <laughs> may even is. get a pick. My claim that it is. John McDonough. I'm sorry. Well, I, I take it this Biden policy has condemned this wave of immigration to destitution. I, I'll just give you firsthand experience. My mother and father came from Ireland. They went to Belfast to apply to immigrate here. They had to have a sponsor. My father is off the boat, which is a term you don't hear anymore. He was picked up on the west side of Manhattan, brought to Jackson Heights. And because he was legal, he was able to get a job with Con Edison. This wave of immigration, they're condemned to working in the underground. It's going to take their children to get into the system. So they're going to be exploited. If anybody's gotten off the BQE at 69th Street and Roosevelt Avenue, every morning at 6 in the morning, you'll see hundreds of people ready to be exploited where these construction vans are pulling up. They'll point to two or three guys. They jump in. And they're paying them $50 a day and to do dangerous work. And then they're dropped off. So the Biden administration is forcing these migrants to cross through jungles, to cross through the border, to get up to New York. And then they say, you know what? You can't work. Go to the underground economy. This is a disaster on so many levels. If they can only be made legal, at least they have some protections. But the way it is now, whatever the millions came in, they're condemned to a life of poverty. That's it. They're finished. Until their kids can get an education. So your your view would be that they should be given the permission, as Mayor Adams has said, to work in the state and no, the city but legally. They should get it in the country they want to apply and not apply for asylum. That's all BS. They're not they're not asylum seekers. They're looking for work, and there is work here to be had. And if they could come in and get the work legally, right away they're part of the system. They can get a union job. They can take tests. Right now, they can't do it. They're going to be stuck on 69th and Roosevelt Avenue praying for a construction job. A few of you have uh, referenced Mayor Adams. Yesterday, Mayor Adams took a break from comparing himself to Jesus. He instead uh, took the opportunity to compare himself to another uh, leader. Listen to what he said. We cannot only worship Gandhi. We must practice Gandhi. We need to be Gandhi-like, and we need to continue the steps that he started. If we don't continue the steps... Then the bullet took away the dream and the vision of Gandhi. Dr. King continued those steps. We must continue those steps. So I'm Gandhi-like. I think like Gandhi. I act like Gandhi. I want to be like Gandhi. I'm going to put Gandilas in the East River. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you know Gandhi, and you know Dr. King. Uh, Gandhi, um, it's nice Frank, having Gandhi as a mayor. I condemn the left, particularly on this. And, and, and Curtis, I've heard him playing it when he was said he was appointed by God to be the mayor of New York. This is crazy talk. It, 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 the left, when, when the 700 Club was on, Jimmy Swaggart and Pat Robinson saying they were anointed by God to do it, to send them money, they were condemned. When Mike Pence says, I can't be in the room with, with a woman, the left condemned them. Adams is making these crazy statements. There's no way. You listen to NPR, even my own BAI. You never said, I just heard a crazy man talk that somebody spoke to him in a dream and said that he should be mayor, and now he wants to be Gandhi. I mean, this is crazy talk. He should be on the 700 Club, not the mayor of New York. <laughs> well, I'm sure that he's a one-term mayor at this point. Are I, you? Really? I, I it's actually, pretty rare. Pretty rare. I, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, he because I agree with him. He sounds like a nut job, and um, this is the way, and, and this is different because this he was a, a, a broadcaster, or still is, really, as a radio guy, uh, Glenn Beck. He thought he was a prophet, and he started oh, talking please. like that. And let me tell you, he no one talks about Glenn Beck anymore. Really, That's he did. True. He used yeah. to have. He used to right. be way more famous. Yeah, he was Tuckerish before Tucker was Tucker. Well, he has no pulpit yeah. though in this market, which I think is great. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, you have, you have to be a nut to be the mayor. I mean, if if Curtis and I and I admire well, Curtis, he's qualified. If, if Curtis became the mayor, okay, he'd have to take some of his showbiz and channel that. And the reality is, I don't know what Curtis would do with all of these migrants coming in. I can what tell would you, he though, do? he wouldn't be claiming that God predicted that he would get elected. I mean, maybe that's why Curtis He's not going to impersonate Gandhi. Yeah, that's much here's we know. the problem. When, when God yeah. tells you what to do, then you're not doing anything wrong. So right. you don't even question yourself. You say, no matter what I'm doing, God told me to do it. This is crazy. God is telling me to uh, take this call from Bob in Washington. Hello, Bob. All right. How about William in Connecticut? Hello, William. William? Hey, you guys. Good morning. Morning. Um, where's, the, where's the disconnect on the illegal part? And I don't know who that gentleman is that's on the panel with you, but... Neither do ready? I. That no wonder security viewed him <laughs> with uh, jaundiced eyes. Yes. Just before um, the police came, that's true. <laughs> I guess there's very stuff this early, but anyway. Oh, um... Where is the disconnect about the illegality of this? And say you had a sewer pipe that's erupting. Would you leave it alone for two years and just let it flow into into the streets? So help me disconnect. Excellent question, uh, William. Uh, how about that, Freddie? Would you well, leave I agree that sewer with him, pipe and, and that's part of the point. We have brilliant legal minds here, and while I disdain most lawyers that I know, including the relative that I had was a lawyer, a divorce lawyer, but uh, in any event... We have brilliant, brilliant legal minds here, and yes, there is illegality, like he said. And while the majority, if not almost all of these migrants, I believe are the salt of the earth, I don't believe they're part of the El Chapo gang, they want to work, um, but do they all need to be here? Should they be coming in such a disorganized fashion? There was somebody at the Midland uh, Beach protest, um, I think the name was Sinclair, and I think you were there, and Channel 7 had him on. I was not there. And he had one of the most poignant you know, mantras that his mom before she died 10 years earlier, was in the nursing home that's now abandoned there that stands to be a migrant uh, chalet if it's not stopped. And he was saying he's not against 
the immigration. He descends from immigrants, migrants, whatever. But you have to have this in an orderly, legal fashion. And I agree with that last caller. There's no vetting going on, and that's the point. It should not be legal for these buses to come unannounced, middle of the night, whenever they're coming. They're crossing at least 12, 13 states to get here. How is this legal? Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you're going to get an argument well, Frank, from anybody but by here. by them being illegal, it forces them into the underground economy. Look at the stories about Roosevelt Avenue. The women are being oh, no, forced into, into brothels, and, and they're forced into, you, you talk about drug dealing. These are the opportunities that are open. If they were legal, they could get regular jobs. Uh, just, all right, uh, I have to ask you guys about this because I am one of the few people, I don't know if anybody in this room is on the same page as me, but I am one of the few people that still gets the Netflix DVDs in the mail, right? I have three <laughs> Netflix DVDs at home right now, and ultimately in my queue, there's about, uh, I don't know, I think I have about 300 movies in my queue the unfortunate thing for me is this service is ending September 29th. So I have no time to watch movies, and I am just sweating out this September 29th deadline and trying to get as many of these films watched as possible because I know I'm never going to get to everything on my queue. Well, Netflix has one last surprise in store for people like me. They are telling their members that they will send up to 10 extra discs before they end the 25-year-old subscription service for good. Uh, They posted this email to Reddit, and they're telling customers it's sending out these extra discs on September 29th. The final shipment date for the service, users will just have to click the link included in the email to opt in, which I certainly plan on doing. Where do you guys come down on Netflix ending this DVD mail-in service? And what do you think of this kind of goodie they're giving people like me? It, it was bound to happen. It's gone the way of the cassette, the A-track. I mean, the only way they can make this popular is they got to send a DVD player with the DVDs. Right. I know. Who the laptops, God has a player now anymore? Right. The laptops, unless you have no. the boombox, unless you have your cassette yeah. player, and you're going old school this is ridiculous. And Why can't you just download Netflix? And- well, I have it, but not all the movies that are on DVD are on streaming. Right. That's I have a dumb question. Do you have to give back these discs? I don't, can you I, keep that's them? what's not clear to me. I think you keep them. Did they come to the house? <laughs> There's no more Netflix <laughs> flick service, DVD but you owe, us, you owe us all these discs. Right, you owe yeah. us uh, you your know, Toxic Avenger. Coming knocking on your door. Exactly. Are you home? Um, but isn't it a shame that Netflix is ending this service? I mean, why? Why are they ending? They still make at least a little bit of money from you know it. They're the not irony, losing money. Yeah, you know what the irony is? Blockbuster. I think there's still one Blockbuster. I that's think right. There's one, Oregon. One particular uh, franchisee did not want to give it up, but the one genre of movie that will still be available in your old-school way or in in in-kind blockbusters is, you know what the genre is, porn. They will still send discs to you, Frank, if you want it in that format. 800-848-9222. John McDonough is here. Freddie Mertz is here. Marlena Scheibo is here. We'll continue straight ahead. at midnight with Frank Morano.
This is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, We have sought for the last hour to assemble three very interesting people, and uh, I think we've delivered on that in spades. And uh, we have Marlena Schiavo in here, John McDonough, and Freddie Mertz for uh, another 13 minutes or so. We're going to add your phone calls to the mix at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. But I think we've all spoken a lot about so-called cancel culture. I don't even like the term cancel culture, but it's one of those things you have to use it because everyone knows what you mean when you use it. Well, now the creator of Father Ted, Graham Linehan, says he's considering taking legal action against the Edinburgh Fringe Festival venue after a sold-out show he was due to take part in was abruptly canceled after the venue took issue with his views. The 55-year-old comedy writer shot to fame 25 years ago with the creation of the iconic show Father Ted, and he went on to create the hit comedy series Black Books and the It Crowd. John McDonough, why is uh, Graham Linehan being canceled? This is so bizarre, because I, I have a lot of friends that go over that, I, and I think the Edinburgh French Festival is just crazy. People paying publicists over there, getting posters printed up and handing out leaflets. It was set up to be an alternative to mainstream theater, be a fringe festival, to bring on something that's edgy. Here he is. He's a comedian. And and one of the excuses they made at, at the place he was going to do his comedy was some of the staff didn't feel comfortable with him going there because he supported J.K. Rawlings. Oh, and because she's anti-transphobic. Yeah, yeah. So, you don't feel comfortable, so I got to cancel a guy. The guy that takes tickets, the guy that hands me the playbill as I go down to my seat, he's now going to dictate the comedy that I can go see. This is a disgrace with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. I mean, their very being is to have people exactly like him that's probably being banned from all over the place. You figure the one refuge he would have at the, the greatest fringe festival in the world in Edinburgh. Uh, Marlena, you uh, have been described as fringe by some. You've performed at a comedy uh, a comedy festival or two in your day. What's your opinion of uh, Graham Linehan being canceled here? I, I, I'm against all cancel culture. I just think it's completely out of control. And um, I even think that the J.K. Rowling thing is the most absurd thing I've heard in, in a Amongst everything else, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like absurd is the new norm. I think so. I, I don't know. Everybody's yeah, d- being... don't even like it. Never mind support. You hit that heart. You're finished. Oh, <laughs> no, I know. I know <laughs> that heart. <laughs> the like button shaped like a heart. Well, you know. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, no. I'm still trying to find the heart. Where's my heart button? I want to make a comment. The heart's not good enough for me. But you know, cancel culture really has no rhyme or reason. And I think back to Roseanne. Sitting in her basement in Salt Lake City somewhere. Here's a Jew in Salt Lake City, and you want to know why she's dysfunctional? And chain smoking (laughs) and getting old. And she made some comment about uh, what Valerie Jarrett, who the taxpayers paid to be in the Obama White House for eight years, I guess is a lobbyist uh, clearinghouse. And she made some comment that she looks like, I don't know what, a monkey or whatever. And she, and Roseanne immediately apologized and said she was stupid. And Valerie Jarrett didn't forgive her. And Roseanne was canceled. Is she even getting residuals? 
even pre-writer strike from Roseanne 1, Roseanne 2. And, and it's like, so the cancel culture seems to have back to the heart. There is no heart or no rhyme or reason. People did much worse who were still working. And Roseanne immediately said she was wrong. I learned, and we should all learn, don't be sending out tweets or X's or anything at 3 in the morning oh, anywhere. Yeah, and, and hell, mm. let me tell you. Lisa is in Brooklyn. Lisa, what's on your mind? Lisa. All right. Audrey's also in Brooklyn. Hello, Audrey. Yes, I am. And first of all, great show. I'm doing laundry, and I'm loving every moment of it. I'm never be up early. But I have a question to um, anyone that want to answer. In- instead of, um, like, bickering about the um, – I don't, I don't want to call them immigrants, the people that transferred over here and wanted a life. Sanctuary started in the church in 1980s, and each governor of the state says sanctuary. We should be writing to them and, and having them change the laws because 2017, Andrew Cuomo started this here. So why can't we do that? you think that's a good idea? Because we've got more important stuff to do, and I'm getting old. Well, so, Audrey, I'm not, I'm not sure, I, uh, wow. I'm not sure I, I follow what you're suggesting, that they should just change the sanctuary status of these states that have it, the 11 states? No, the people of the city and state, like, okay, New York, instead of complaining about Eric Adams and whatever, um, write to your council person, write to the governor and ask her to change the law because she's the only one that can do it. Or, yeah. you know, just well, put pressure on her because I don't think that we should be wasting time on this because the election is coming up. Well, right now, yeah, yeah thank you. If you run, I'll, I'll vote for you, but I don't, I'm not. Oh, thanks, Audrey. I'm not running. Don't worry. But um, the, um, I mean, Adams brings up a point about the amount of money New York taxpayers are spending on this. And, you know, it's not even, it's not even the sanctuary city status that's the big, uh, you know, problem with this. It's the right to shelter law, which the courts are interpreting as having to house everybody that comes here from anywhere in the world, apparently, which Adams, I think, to his credit, is now trying to uh, to change. But we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that with the Creedmoor situation, uh, right across the street are softball fields, soccer fields and a tennis center. And right next to that is the beginning of the old Vanderbilt Highway, where a lot of people like to either run or walk. You know, they're surrounded by trees. They don't don't have to worry about traffic. So this, to me, is an encroachment on people's go-to recreational areas. I mean, there's this young woman running there. They're trying to run fast. And or, or walking with their friends. And, All right. Well, yeah, and, I, I, again, I don't want to turn this into a migrant gripe session because we only have four hours. But anyone want to uh, throw in a quick reaction to uh, to what Joe had to say there? No, no, I agree with him. I mean, you know, it's bad enough as far as women go, what he's saying. I mean, like, it's bad enough they have to walk faster, run fast construction workers. And now it's like a whole team of like yeah. people um, just doing nothing all day long. But like encroachment on recreation, how about encroachment on schools? I mean, it, 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 it yeah. And it's almost like it was set up to never happen. And by the way, who the heck wants this in their backyard, their front yard? There's probably some depraved upstate community, poor upstate gets picked on, that maybe would welcome this or welcome a privatized prison. Who knows what? And again, not to pick on the migrants, but I don't like the way the sleight of hand, the way it's being, you know, Snuck in there, you know, and sick. Why can't people. they go to the open fields of Kansas or something where there's lots of space and they can set up all of these, you know? That's a red state. Excuse us. No, oh, I don't okay. want the politics there. But they showed a picture of all the cots at Creedmoor set up, and I'm just trying to think. 
the feet of the person in one cot would hit the head of the next person. Yeah. Nobody could sleep in those cots. The uh, governor of uh, Kansas is a Democrat, though, I'll just point out. But um, I want to ask all three of you about this because I think this is interesting. And I have a very good relationship with all of our neighbors. Basically, every day is a uh, a block party on our block. It's a fun block to be on. And there's new data that shows that fewer and fewer Americans know their neighbors – And they're saying that this lack of social connections is linked to poor mental health and premature death. All three of you, do you guys have a relationship with your neighbors? And do you buy the studies that are suggesting that loneliness and the lack of social connection could be as bad for your health as cigarette smoking? Wow. Well, I don't know about cigarette (laughs) smoking, um, but I think that um, the... Connecting with people is definitely uh, better for your mental health. Which you get along with all your neighbors, right? I do. I do. I do. Yes. When I first got there, though, moving from the city to here, people were waving and saying hello, and I didn't know who they were. It took me, I kid you not, two years to say in my head, remember to smile and say hello. <laughs> Did they know you? No, it's oh, just like they, 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 they were May, just neighborly. In Cape May, you, you have to kind of brace yourself. You're walking around. Oh, somebody good, goes, morning. Hey, good morning. Oh, what is this guy saying? Good yeah, morning like, for? why are you What's talking to me? Then after two days, you get acclimated after a while. <laughs> two days. It, took me, it, well. took, uh, it was about two years. Um, but, yeah, now I do. I do. And it makes for a, a better living situation, you know, because mm. um, now it's, it feels more like a community. I, I don't know if not talking to them would, you know, turn me into someone the equivalent of someone who smokes a pack a day <laughs> like in terms of my health but yeah i i would <laughs> would imagine that living in a friendlier place um is definitely better i want to be on i want to be on marlena's block <laughs> <laughs> freddie what's uh what's your story you talk to your neighbors uh you know what i try to avoid them um i have some pretty surly i, I, I gotta be honest i talk really. to everybody but the block i'm on i gotta tell you you would not want those neighbors there's a whole backstory I will tell you about off the air. I feel like it's witness wow. protection, uh, but I am somebody who will talk to almost everybody, and yet I try to avoid my neighbors. You are a fascinating character, <laughs> Freddie Merckx. There's not a lot of people that when uh, John McDonough is sitting next to them that I talk say to that to. John McDonough, well, uh, I can see you uh, talking to your you neighbors, talk- working to everybody into a frenzy I, 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 over you know some sanitation Frank, issue or something. I, I don't hang out. I, I give the odd nod to the thing. I, I live in Middle Village, Bob Holden country, right? And it's immigrants that are living out. So they speak either Russian, Polish, a lot of Dominican Republic. The guy that runs the bodega, he's from India, Punjabi. I just don't mix in that. And you just give the odd wave to them. And you're so busy. When you're running out of the house, you're not sitting there doing chit-chat. At 2 in the morning, I'm coming here. Come on, man. I can't. I'm not standing oh, around waving. So I have uh, – there's a – families right that i socialize with and but i have one guy that's right next to me who's probably pushing 80 right but he still works and he's like you would love him he works at like the racetrack and he's oh, cool yeah i do uh, like him already yeah, yeah. and, and, like and him? you yeah. would probably talk to him for hours on end um and but i but unfortunately um when i see him and i'm m- usually in a rush and he doesn't ha- pick up on that. He's like, hey. And I'm, I was like, no. I'm always like, I got to. And, and, and I don't want to be rude because you want to be neighborly. But at the same time, it's like, I got to go. I got to go. And he's like, so how about that thing and this other thing? And what about this other? And I'm like, 
I have an appointment. I have really have to go. There so. are people that work here that do that. That you where you're clearly trying to get work done, oh, and yeah. they love oh. to chit chat and like they don't. You don't have a care in the world. Just because you're not busy doesn't mean I'm not busy. Right. Uh, John McDonough, tell us again how we can see off the meter when it comes to Belmont. My play about driving a yellow cab in New York City for the last 40 years will be going to Belmont, New Jersey, on September 24th at the Friendly Sons of Shillelagh. A great joint down in Belmar. I'll be there on September 24th. You want to find out about tickets, go to offthemeter.net, and I will direct you to my agent, Al Gonzalez, and you'll be taken care of. And I'll be telling you stories about how New York used to be in the 70s and 80s. It's like it again. All right. Freddie Mertz, John McDonough, Marlena Schiavo, thank you all. Let's do this again soon. I'll see you guys in a year. Keep asking questions.